In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. G'day and welcome to the Aussie Pastor Live, right here on Faith FM. G'day and welcome to the program today. We're coming to you live out of our studios. That's right. After nine weeks, we're coming to you live out of our studios in northwest Sydney, and it's a rainy old day. Welcome to the Techie Hunty. Mate, it's good to be here. It's Tuesday, uh, February the 6th, and yeah, we're live. Nine weeks. Did you like that opening Bible text? No, it was the wrong one. I thought I saw your head bobble in shape. <laughs> it was the wrong text. I'm very sorry. But you know what I thought? What's that? I did send you that originally, but then I rescinded it, and I did send a whole lot of information later, including the text written down. But... Oh. Oh, uh, Hunty and I have. I a... thought that was for program two for next week, so I prepared it for next week. No, oh. for this week. I've got it ready to go. If you'd like to hear it now, <laughs> <laughs> have you really? Of course, because I've got next week's ready. Let's do it because it is a text for today. Don't say we don't move with the times, <laughs> no, man. Go for exactly. it. Hunty. Well, yeah, I'm just going to quickly call it February third, aid. Okay. Okay, and here it is. Oh no! Wait, no, <laughs> no. Hang on. <laughs> Bible text. Here it is. <laughs> Who has woe? Who has is this sorrow? It? Who has no, that's no, not it at all. Oh, look, I'm no, in a terrible way, listeners. I think we better get... That is the right one for next week. Oh, okay. No, no, it was, it was uh, one from John chapter 19, which fitted with the Bible study. Hey, who yes. cares? Well, we're, 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 we should be just grateful we're here. <laughs> because I tell you what, I was telling my church on Sabbath, and you'll hear about it more today, I've just been through the summer... Well, what what I call it? The you call it your your summer in the devil's kitchen. Yeah, you had a good summer, didn't you? I had a pretty good summer. Yeah, full of brand, holidays. Brand and... new grandfather. Well, for the second time. Yeah, it's very very proud of me. Boy and very or girl, you allowed got, to say? I've got one of each now. My latest latest uh, grandchild is a he. Okay, and so his you're... name's Hugh, and we, Jackie and I—that's the grandmother, of my wife—we could not be happier. I love that name, Hugh. Yeah, it's good. Good it's name. A good strong, almost an English name. That one isn't it? Hugh. Hugh. Yeah, like it, like oh, it very much. Yes. Well, welcome back, Hunty, and Thanks, welcome mate. to our our um, listeners. Uh, Hunty. I, feel sh- I feel shame already. Why? <laughs> I got the wrong text. <laughs> oh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's still a great, what a great text to start. It is a good text. Um, the year mm. with uh, Jesus, the Word. Hey, you want to yes. open with a prayer? I do. Thanks. Definitely, Father Lord, we come humbly before you this afternoon, asking for your blessing on my mate. Pastor Lloyd, as he opens the Bible and, and brings a special message to our listeners. But most of all, Lord, I pray for all of our listeners. Lord, wrap your loving arms around them and bless them, I pray, in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, mate. In Hunty's defence, he does work with a bloke who changes his mind all the time. <laughs> yeah, they, if you sent me an SMS, it's all on me. Yeah, no, I definitely did. 
Uh, good. But I think it's on me because I changed my mind so much. <laughs> and this was a new idea. The idea is we're going to play a Bible text to do with the Bible study that we're doing in each program. I like it. At the beginning of each program. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Hey, idea. this day, in, we haven't got a lot of time today. No. We've got to keep this show moving. We do. This day in history, February 6, 1819. I couldn't believe this founding of Singapore by the British. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's founded as a trading port. In 1890. I love Singapore. Yeah. I haven't been there many times, maybe once or twice. But you've probably been there a million times. I've been there a few times. I love Singapore. It's so clean. 1840 for the Kiwis. Maori tribe signed the Treaty of Waitangi. In some ways, this is New Zealand Day. This is their holiday. They're all on holidays today. It's like Australia Day here, but in New Zealand, is when they signed a treaty with the Maoris. A very, very fearsome race, the Maoris. Yes. I think they're one of the few nations that was never really taken out by the British. Uh, they more than held their own, so they had to sign a treaty. Uh, that was in 1840. And so if you're a Kiwi, happy uh, Waitangi Day. Uh, 1918, Britain gives women over 30 the vote for the first time. That, that's probably a fair thing, is it? Should we go back to that? Oh, I better be careful. <laughs> I'll be running out of radio. No, I think women should have had the vote right from the beginning, man. Of course, man. of course. Um, 1945, on this day, February 6th, I don't know much about this guy, but I've heard about him all my life. Jamaican singer Bob Marley's birthday. Don't know his music, do you? I've, I've got a funny story about Bob Marley, if you like. Is it a good story? Yeah, yeah, I was in Jamaica. I was working on a mission with Pastor Carter, and I decided I wanted to hear Bob Marley sing. Yep. I tracked halfway across Jamaica to go hear him sing. Yep. And I was so excited. And when I came home, I told all my friends that I got to, to hear Bob Marley, and, and they all started to laugh. Apparently, I must have heard a cover band because he had already died. Oh, <laughs> oh <dear. well. laughs> that is a funny story. Uh, 1952, February 6th, Elizabeth becomes queen. You didn't know that, did you? Wow. On this day in 1952. I love Queen Elizabeth. Always did. Yep. And I do. Good lady. Uh, 1993, Arthur Ashe. Do you know who he is? Yeah, tennis player. Yeah. He won Wimbledon, actually. Oh, wow. He died on this day. I didn't realise that. Long time ago. 2014, this guy's right down your track, Jay Leno, hosted his oh, last episode of The Tonight Show. Love Jay Leno. Never heard him, never heard, never watched a single, single show. Have you seen his car show on YouTube? No, but I've heard about it. Oh, it's, it's pretty fantastic, good. yeah. And this last one, 2018, SpaceX rocket blasted off into space with Elon Musk's car aboard. Yep. Why would you blast a rocket into space with his car? I oh, know it's his rocket. It's a publicity stunt. So that car's somewhere out test. there in space, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, you can still see it. It's still cruising around. You can see it? Yes. If How? you've got a telescope, you know when, when and where to look. I would have thought it'd be too far away. Or is it going around the Earth? Or we don't no, no, know. It's out of our orbit. <sighs> I started something real, um, well, because I'm on it at the end of last year, health tip. I've got seven quick ones for you, Hunty. Yes. These are for you, mate. Okay. Eat nourishing food. Yeah, doing that now. Sleep seven to eight hours per night. No, I can't do that. Don't you dare say you're doing that because I know you're not. I'm doing six to seven. Keep company with good people. You work with me, so you've got that one covered. (laughs) (laughs) Avoid news overdose. Yeah, that's no problem. That's a good one for me, eh? You, yes. Get regular exercise. We're both trying to do that. I was in the pool today. Guess who is? A couple of Maoris. Ah, did you say happy Waitangi Day? Linda and Nelson. Oh. If you're listening, yeah. <laughs> G'day, guys. How good, mates. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so get regular exercise. Tip six: do something meaningful each day. I think you do that. And number seven: think good thoughts for others. Apparently, they're good health tips. Nice. And then our word for the day: my favourite part of the program. I go looking for words. Oh, you know, here we go. Especially, see if you know this one because you're actually a bit of a wordsmith. Do you like words? Yeah. Elysian. E L Y S I A N. Elysian. Don't know it. Can I give it to you in a sentence? Sure. And then I'll give it to you in a proper sentence about you and me. They were motivated by the dream of retiring to a tropical island and enjoying a life of Elysium ease. Mm. 
Sounds good. It does, doesn't it? Mm. Something described as Elysian is blissful or delightful. That's Elysian. I like it. I like that word, Elysian. How about this? Lloyd enjoyed the Elysian feeling of defeating Hunty once again on the go-kart track. That's never happened. I think that happened over the Christmas break. And listeners, it it will never happen. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, you're a funny boy, aren't you, huh? Um, The reason that we've been out for nine weeks and it took us so long to get back, if you don't know, it's because I've been in hospital, had a knee revision, which is a... A second knee replacement on the same knee. I might share a little bit more about that during the program, Hunty. Yeah, they put a whole bunch of faulty parts in, had to replace them. They did. Mm. And it was a very difficult surgery. I had problems with the nerves. Have you ever had that happen, Hunty? Uh, No, but I do know what that's about because my wife has lots of nerve pains. Hey, listen to this video. Oh, no sting. Are we going to do a sting? It's on the run, Shate. Well, we we're supposed to go straight in. You know, we're going to be a bit confused today. This <laughs> be the blind leading the blind. Put your sting in, bro. I, okay. lo- I love this. Here it comes. <laughs> You're listening to the Aussie Pasta here on Faith FM. No, that was supposed to go straight into video. Like we were doing last year, remember? <laughs> remember? Listeners, he only arrived 10 minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> Let's, right, it's let's, a good one. It's a, mir- it's a miracle story, this yep, one worth is. listening to. Yep. I remember I was uh, sitting at my desk, and there was a knock at the door, and I, I opened the door. It is, I was working from home, and uh, there was a young man wanting to sell cable television there. And I wasn't really in the mood for what he's going to say, so I'm trying to kind of shut the door in his face and still be nice, you know. And so as he's doing it, he gives me one of those one-liner overcomer, you know, objection overcomers. You know, good salespeople are trained for that. So he gives it to me, and I was like, all right, that's actually pretty good. So I let him in the house. And so um, as he's in the house, I'm realizing, hold on, you're on my turf here, and so I'm going to tell you about Jesus. How many of you guys know, when they step across your threshold, game on? Uh, like, like, it's like, like oh, seriously, like, like they're on your turf. You, you've got domain over that. So he steps in there, and so I started sharing some healing testimonies with him. He's like, listen, man, I don't believe in God. I said, oh, that's okay. God believes in you. I said, do you have any pain in your body? It wasn't a word of knowledge. I was just fishing. And uh, he's like, well, I was a Muay Thai kickboxer. My jaws come unhinged, and I've got carpal tunnels in both arms. And I saw he had the braces on his wrist. I said, well, why don't you take the braces off so we can see if something happens? And so as I prayed for him, enough happened that he begins to cry. And so I don't remember that he got totally healed. Not a good idea to exaggerate in a testimony. Ask Ananias and Sapphira about exaggerating. How we doing? <laughs> so enough happened that he's realizing that something is real. And so now he begins crying. And, um, and so he just opens up his life to me. And he says, listen, he said... I'm living with this girl, and her sister was a prostitute. She sold her body for heroin, and she overdosed and died this week. She's got two kids. They're going to be coming and living with us, and we can't even afford the funeral. And I feel like the Lord says, write the check. And so I said, hey, how much do you guys owe for the funeral? He told me. I went in the other room, wrote the check. I said, I, I said here. And he's like, what is this? And I said, this is, the Lord wants you to know how much he, feel, how much he loves you. And so now he's really crying. So he says, thank you. We exchanged phone numbers. After he leaves, I told Mary, I said, I feel like I'm supposed to go to the funeral and just kind of support this guy. So I text him, hey, bro, would it be weird? And he's like, no, I love it. And so um, in our culture, like this is my church would freak out if they saw me in a sport coat. Like we don't dress up a whole lot. In our culture, typically the pastor has one suit and two ties, the wedding tie and the funeral tie. And so I'm there in my little suit with my funeral tie on. And I'm realizing, well, this is a pretty rough looking crowd. Like, I'm not trying to stereotype. It's like the former baby mamas and the former baby daddies. They're like yelling at each other. And it looks like there's about to be a fist fight. So, of course, what am I going to do in a fist fight? I'm hiding in the back. Okay. So I'm hiding in the back thinking I don't want to die. 
You know, like, like what am I seriously? What am I going to do in a fist fight? I'm going to do like headbutts to the fist and wear down their knuckles. That's about what I'm going to do. So, so I'm hiding back there, and all of a sudden, this big dude comes up to me, tattoos all over his face and neck, and he's like, "Hey, are you that guy who gave money for the funeral?" I was like, "Yes, sir." And uh, I was thinking, like, Lord, receive my spirit, like, take, make, take, take care of Mary and the children. I, I don't want a painful death. Make it go quickly. You know, all sorts of heroic things like that. Uh, Hebrews 11, Hall of Faith type of things going through my mind. And so um, and so all of a sudden his eyes well up with tears. He's like, man, I've, I've never heard of anything like that before. And I was like, oh, oh okay. And so I kind of sat up a little bit. And as I sat up, the, the guy who was selling cables like, hey, everybody, that's my pastor. I'm like, your pastor, you didn't even believe in God two days ago. What are you talking about here? <laughs> oh, oh, and then um, the two kids, he whispers to them who I am. No lie. They run up and jump into my lap and call me Uncle Jim. <laughs> What's going on here? Uh, Proverbs 25, it's either 23 or 22 in the Passion Translation. It says, your uh, surprising generosity awakens their conscience and God will reward you with favor. Our generosity is actually a military move. It can awaken the conscience of unbelievers. There it is right there. Guys, nobody's saying that money can buy joy. Nobody can buy peace. No one's saying money uh, can do that. But, you know, it can spread the gospel. It can feed the poor. It can actually have housing for students to attend Bible college. It can plant churches and hospitals and dig wells overseas so they got pure drinking water. It can rescue women coming out of human trafficking and shelter the homeless and have a young man know that God loves him because his funeral was paid for. Again, guys, it should be obvious. You cannot go into all the world if you can't afford to go to the store. Well, Jim, isn't this that prosperity gospel? There's no such thing as the prosperity gospel, but the gospel of the kingdom prospers. Through it all, sing it. Yeah. 
That's Andre Crouch. Mm. And Bill Gaither. Uh, mostly Andre Crouch. It was mostly Andre Crouch. <laughs> <laughs> um, News time. I I turned myself off then and didn't realise I even did it. Oh, I noticed. Did you know? I noticed. So you knew I'd turned it off? Uh, when you weren't talking after the song, I thought, oh, I'm going to say hello. Yeah. No, I'm going to have to get into this. We're having a rusty old day, mate. It's a good day, though. It's always a good day. Love our listeners. Glad um, you joined us. Our news. Our news. Um, oh, the clock. Yeah, it's all going, <laughs> going very well. Um, the king has cancer. Yeah, King Charles, and everybody thought it was prostate. Did I say that right? Prostate. Yeah, prostate. Yep. Cancer because he'd gone in for an operation on the large prostate, and good on him for making that public, Hunty. Yeah, absolutely. To everybody because that encourages everybody else. Yep. To get in. And to check those sorts of things. Um, cancer is an insidious disease. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what battle, if we ever find out, King Charles is up against. Mm, because his mm. daughter-in-law is sick. Kate is sick. Yep. Princess Kate. Yep. Make sure I use the right terms here on radio. She is sick too with, with something. Yep. Um, I think they said it wasn't cancer. Uh, I'm not a real royal watcher, hunty, to be honest. Yeah. But I do know that. Um, they do hold a very important place it must, in it must British. Be, it must be serious. Well, they hold an important place in British, um, the way the Brit, the British um, yeah. government works, yeah. and they do need to be around. And they're getting a bit skinny Great because for tourism as well. Because um, Prince Harry and Princess Meghan have fled to the United States. Well, he's on a plane right now, coming back to see his father. Is he on the plane? I believe so. That tells you it must be pretty serious. I reckon. Yeah, I thought so too. Mm. But he is on the plane now, is he? I believe he's on the plane either now or he's about to jump on the plane. Well, there you've got it from Hunty, our royal mm. correspondent royal here on the Aussie Pastor yes. Show. Thank you, Hunty, yep. for that information. Oh, we wish, we wish, I almost said Prince, but we wish King Charles all the best. Of course. He's 75 years old. He's an elderly man now. Mm. Um, and he will no doubt be under some of the best doctors in the world. Yep. So. Well, he's lined up for chemotherapy and uh, other radiation. Are you sure? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. That article you sent me has it in it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I didn't know they'd gone that far. He's lined up for it, yeah. Okay. Hmm. Well, I wonder where they'll operate. All these things will be revealed in good time. That's right. But we wish King Charles the best. Hey, this one got me a little bit perplexed. Oh the government has brought in new fuel laws for cars. Are they actually decreed? Is it in? Yeah, it's coming. It's coming for sure. And I'm on edge. Have I got reason to be on edge? I I, I go to you. Again, You not only are you our resident royal correspondent, okay. you're, our, right. you're well, our resident car correspondent. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm interested <laughs> yes. in what your view sure. is on this. Well, listeners, what's coming is some pretty tight fuel efficiency um, mandates. So cars will have to mostly deliver about a third less carbon to the air. Okay, what if I want to buy my Ram? Well, this is what I think. I think the government's made this big statement about what they're going to do to fuel efficiency and pollution, but I think they're going to have to revisit and refine it because it's not workable. Why Um, is that? Well, do you want to be rescued by an ambulance that runs out of petrol halfway to see you? Well, how would that work? Well, if they make them mandatory to be electric... No, 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 they don't. What it means is as, now you're gonna you're gonna correct me on this for sure. <laughs> but in Europe, there's a certain fuel efficient standard that every car that's manufactured must have. Apparently, that standard is not in Australia. 
but they're bringing it to Australia. And what worries me is that when they bring that standard in, I won't be able to drive a Ram or a big uh, Ford pickup, F-150 or any of them, because they don't reach those fuel efficiency standards. But they're saying they're going to do it. Look, our government's going to have to wake up and make some changes to that policy. Let me give you an example, and I like Taylor Swift, but she has spewed out more carbon in the last six months going to visit her boyfriend's soccer matches than you and I and our diesel That's cars will make put out in a lifetime. any difference to the well, government Well, Albo and all his mates need to stop flying around in jets if they're serious about carbon emissions. Because one jet ride in a private jet is more carbon than most people I will burn in a lifetime. I think on our first program you've drifted. I've drifted. All right. <laughs> so, look, I'm certain the government will have to make some changes to their to the legislation. That's not workable. I mean, if you're a builder and a trader and you're going out in the middle of nowhere to do a job... Yeah then there's no chance of refueling when you get there. What are you going to do? I think you're, you're missing it. It's it's not an electric car. They're, 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 wanting, they're, they're, not, they're, they're not wanting saying you have to... They're wanting car manufacturers to be more um, pollution efficient. That's right. That's smaller engines with less power. But so you're not going to run out of fuel going out to work. You're just going to be in a car that doesn't use as much fuel. The government's going to have to change their mind because no one wants to tow a three-ton trailer with a four-cylinder. Not going to happen. Well, I, that, predi- that, I predict they'll have to make exceptions for tradies and builders and maybe all kinds of people that maybe need decent-sized vehicles. You know, that's maybe why caravans in Europe are so light, because you can't drive well, a Ram or an F-150 or any of these big... Um, you can buy a Ford... You can buy a Ranger, you can buy a Land Cruiser. In, 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 in Europe? Europe? You still can, yeah. But the reason they've gone to fuel efficient and light carriers well, is because you do, how can you do that with these fuel efficient standards? Well, that's my that's my big question. Petrol's up around five dollars a litre in some European no, no, countries. I, no, that's no, no, another but, reason why they're going light caravans. But, but how can they how can they drive a Ram if these fuel because you cannot get that Ram. I love them too. Yeah, or I the F one fifty. I do. I mean, one hundred and twenty thousand dollars base price for the for the poverty. Well, paper. that's why you and me will never have one. <laughs> that's right. But I do love them. Yeah, me too. But how do you get that few that through? Or you don't know. I'm telling you, the government's going to have to make exceptions for builders and traders. That legislation will not come through as it's pronounced today. I'm pretty sure they made no exceptions in. And they'll Europe. have a big fight because it's not going to suit Australia. I think we're going to revisit this one. I'm going to, I'm going to get Hunty <laughs> to do a bit more work on it and come back because I'm worried about my Ram and my F-150. Cars on it, utes I'll never drive. But I have aspirations, mate. Uh, and they're pretty good on fuel too, aren't they? Like, they do all right. I was talking to a guy last night who's got a big brand-new V8 Range Rover and he gets 6.9 litres per 100. Range Rover. Yeah, that's a big V8 British four-wheel drive. I'm going to come back on that one. because 6.9 again. There's something going on with those V8 Range Rovers in Britain and they can't insure them. That's right, they can't insure them. I'm going to come back on that in another show because we like to look at cars on this show. We do. Last news, I don't think we've covered that one perhaps Mm. as good as we could have hunted. Okay. Let's get ahead together Um, for next week. Yeah, because I want to know, am I going to be able to drive my F-150 and my Ram in Australia or are they actually going to... How <sighs> government that just loves to stick its nose in everything. Are they going to legislate that out too? That that would be my question. Yeah, good thought. Better not talk too much or I'll get into trouble. Got a minute left. Our, our greenie listeners. No snow in Europe, mate. No, it's very sad. Now, you're a Europe. You're a Europe. You've lived in Europe. You've worked in Europe. How serious is I, this? I did some research. Approximately since 1971, the snow is decreasing 1% a year. So around 10% a decade... The snow is decreasing since 1971. So that means about 50%. In our lifetime, correct. There's a lot of ski resorts now that are not open right now because there's no snow. 
This one we were looking at in the news, it's 7,000 feet high, 7,500 feet, which I think is higher than the highest mountain in Australia, uh, if, if you're talking continental Australia. And it's in France, and there's no snow. And so you turn, no, up, to go, mm. turn, turn up to go snow skiing. Do, do you think, and we've talked about this a bit on the show before in the past, do, do you think we're in trouble with climate change? Look, many people, just many people are blaming climate change. Others are saying this, it's got cycles and it's in a warm cycle in Europe right now. But either way, it's very bad for people trying to make a living in Europe with, with the resort. Uh, um, it goes more... It goes more. It, there's more problems than just the snow skiing. Correct. This stuff melts. It enters the water table. Correct. It goes into the rivers. Uh, well, their th- drinking water comes from melted snow, so they're not going to have much drinking water in showers next yeah. year. There are rivers that have never been so dry in Europe. That's it. As they are today. I mean, yep. you look up, you look at these things, you see these signs, and I think they tell you that the world can't go on, and soon Jesus will come. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. We got it, Hunty. Yes. See, we're getting into the group. What a team. Yeah. <laughs> I love this song. I really do. It's sung by a lady called Tremaine and Mahalia. Now, Mahalia, she was at Tremaine. One of them, I should have, I, I did know, one of them has since died. This is not a duet. They've technically put it together, Hunty. Right. But it is a beautiful song. I think it's, I'm going to look this up while the song's, and I'll come back and Okay, all right. We're all a bit rusty today. This song, I found the answer. It's probably my testimony, Hunty. Yep. About my struggles and my battles with myself, uh, my struggles and battles with temptation, my failures, um, the depression that comes from that, um, the not having a future, uh, having no hope, and then you find Jesus or Jesus finds you and you find prayer or Jesus introduces you to prayer and all of a sudden in your life you're talking to the King of the Kings, yep, to a real God. This song's about prayer. Two singers that live decades apart brought together through technology and it's it's beautiful. I found the answer. I found the answer. Now let me tell you a story of someone sad and lonely. All their hopes were gone. Their days were long and dreary. They couldn't even carry on. But then they found the courage to keep their head up high. And you know what? Once again, they're happy. And here's the reason. I was we 
Um, our next guest, Harold Harker. Before we start, g'day, Harold. Could I get you to bend your microphone up a little bit to your mouth? It's attached to your headphones. Just give it a bend. Yeah, that's it. Beautiful. Okay, look, we've got Harold. Still on the red thing, (laughs) Hunty. Yes, mate. Um, That was Mahalia. It was. The 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 singer who has since died, Mahalia Jackson, very famous gospel singer in the United States of America. Tremaine, she's a new girl. And uh, they brought them together, and pretty nice song, isn't it? Beautiful. And it's true that when you talk to Jesus, there's a peace that comes upon you. He'll give you hope, and it doesn't matter who you are. I keep saying this all my life. doesn't matter who you are. doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter whether you believe in him or not. If you want to have a go, just talk to Jesus, and, and, and you can talk to him about anything. You can ask him to show himself to you if you want. And when you talk to Jesus, you are going to find some big answers in your life and you will find peace. Amen. Uh, Harold, Harold, you are there. How are you, mate? Hi, Lloyd. I'm back with you. You're sounding better than I reckon I've ever, I know. ever Isn't heard it you. wonderful? Why is that, hunty? Uh, we've changed his audio setup. Uh, so what have you done? He's got a digital USB headset microphone now. Okay, so we're expecting good things from you this year, Harold. <laughs> where, where are you? You're, you're, uh, well, we're with you. You've moved right up into North Queensland again, is that right? Yes, we're up in Atherton on the Tablelands at the moment. So and there's been a huge storm just a few minutes ago. Yeah, we're having rain down here too. Um, are you up there for long? Yeah, three months, Lloyd. What are you doing? I'm caring for three churches for three months. Now, I'm not going to tell you how old Harold is, but he's not in his 70s. Ooh. And he's 60s. caring for three churches. <laughs> You're a young man, mate. We're going to talk today about Nicholas von Amsdorf. I love that name. That's a real German name, isn't it? It's a beautiful name. Uh, when and where was Nicholas von Amsdorf born? Amsdorf? Well, he was born in the town of Torgau, in 1483. Now, this just happened to be the year that Luther was born. So these guys, two guys are born in exactly the same year. That's right. What were his parents a part of? Well, they were part of the German nobility. They were the upper class. So he came from a powerful family. He sure did. Where did he do his schooling and his university? Well, he went to school first at Leipzig. And when he finished that school, he went to the university at Wittenberg. That's where Luther finished up. Is it now? This is a question out, you know, out left field. But was it probably in Wittenberg that he came across the Protestant gospel? That is the gospel that you say by Jesus and Jesus alone, not by your works. Yes, that would be right. He got that in Wittenberg. Um, would it have been now again left field question? Would it have been in Wittenberg that he probably met Luther? Yes, that's right, because Luther became a professor there, and this guy did later too. So they're kind of, 
you'd be fair to say they're contemporaries. They are contemporaries, and this guy became a real strong supporter of Luther. So when he was 28, what happened to Nicholas von Amsdorf? What, did, what was he given? Well, he earned it, really. Well, he got a licence in theology, so he could be now a priest in that time. Would it have been a Catholic priest or a Protestant priest? It would have been Catholic, it wouldn't it? Would have been Catholic to start with, yes. What happens in 1511? Well, 1511, he becomes a professor at the University of Wittenberg. Uh, that's quite a, a very big uh, task that he was given. Wittenberg would have been one of the universities in the world at that time too. Well, there were a number of universities, but it was one that was well-known mm. and Luther was sent there as a lecturer and a professor as well. So who was his greatest influencer? I think you might have given that away. Yeah, it was Luther. He was one of his strongest supporters all his life. So he gets to know Martin Luther. Does he minister with Luther? Does he go with Luther? Yes. In fact, he went to the Leipzig Conference in 1519. That's when Jonathan Eck was there. And then he also went with him to that famous Diet of Worms when Luther takes his great stand and it's only on the Scriptures. So he was a confidant, a, a, a helper, a friend. He was there at Luther's most trying hours, it seems. Um, why is it significant, and it is, that when Luther, I think it was leaving, was it the Diet of Worms that he went to the, was it then that he went to the, he escaped, he didn't escape, he was taken hostage uh, by a friend, actually, to Wartburg Castle. Um, why is it significant that Nicholas van Amstorff knew about that? Well, it's mighty significant because Luther was, uh, anyone could kill him. He was a person, non grata anywhere. The church said, get rid of them. And on the way home, he was whisked off to safety in the castle at Wartburg, and no one knew where he went. Nicholas von Amstor was one of the very few, just a couple of people who knew where he was. So you get a sense of how important he was to Martin Luther and how important Martin Luther was to him. Oh, that's for sure. Now, he did a, a lot of work for the Reformation outside of Luther. Where did he go and what did he do? Well, he worked in a number of cities, Magdeburg, Goslar, Einbeck and Meissen, and those became centres of the Reformation because this guy worked so well there. So he's preaching and teaching and sharing the gospel. That's right. That's his job. What important position did he take up in 1541? Well, he was made a bishop of Namburg, and uh, he held that for six years, but then he couldn't stay there because... He was a reformer after that. Yeah, yeah. So he he he, he became a, a full-on uh, Protestant reformer right at the front of the Reformation, of the Revolution. Um, you look at a man like this, how would you describe his character? Was he a gentle fellow? What, what was he like? Have we still got him hunting? Ooh. No, I'm looking at a frozen screen. Let's ah. see what we can do about that. Let me. We'll see whether we can get... I like this story of this guy because he he was one of Martin Luther's confidants and we don't get to know these guys much because Martin Luther, he shines so brightly that all those around him kind of get cast in his shadow. Yes. But here you've got this guy, Nicholas van uh, Amsdorf, von Amsdorf, until uh, 
to be honest, until Harold told me about him, I never even knew that he existed, and I studied a Reformation. So when I saw this story that Harold sent through to me, I was amazed that God put men round these reformers, these great reformers, and it happened literally to every one of the reformers in the Protestant Reformation. They didn't do it by themselves. God always had chosen men of power and of authority and of, of, of influence um, that he would put around to support these guys. And, and this is one guy who had a tremendous impact. Can we get him back, Hunter? Yes, we'll I... definitely get him back. I'm um, going to... I'm just giving a reboot on the Zoom, not working. I'm going to call him on the phone. We'll get him yeah, on the phone. Yeah, just call him. Don't worry about the Zoom, no, mate. No, exactly. We'll have him on the phone in seconds. I'm okay, that's sure. good. Yeah. Because we're also running out of uh, yeah. <laughs> The internet dropped out. I'm sorry. Okay, got you on the phone, mate. Okay, Harold, um, did you get the question yeah. I was asking? He's a great reformer. and you, you think of the character of these guys. Was he a gentleman? How would you describe him? No, he was not a gentleman. He was acrimonious. He was a harsh guy. Uh, certainly not a gentleman. Okay, so he, know, he knew how to argue. Oh, he sure did. He was in it with his boots and all. Did he always get his theology right, his doctrines? No, because he was one who opposed the Anabaptists and the Zwinglis on the sacraments. You know, they said it was a symbol whereas he stood for the Catholic position that it was transubstantiation. Okay, just goes to show that no one's perfect, doesn't it, really? That's true. Uh, it'd be fair to say, Harold, maybe none of us have ever had perfect theology or doctrine other than Jesus himself. Um, That's right. What university did he found? I found this interesting. Well, he went, uh, uh, when he was lost the job as the Bishop of Nuremberg, he went off to Jena, J-E-N-A, and there he started a university. And there he also published Luther's work, so he was still a supporter of Luther. Do we know when he died? Did he live a long life, short life? Well, he died in 1565, so he would have been in his early 80s, 70, 80, 88. That's a very long life back then. So he, At that time it was an old man. Yeah, he lived a long life serving the Lord. When you look back on his life, what do you think you remember most? I remember him who was strong for the, the belief in the Scriptures and how you're saved, and he was a supporter. Let's share that with everyone. And he's one of these guys that had the joy, and not a lot of them did back then, of dying a natural death and not at the stake of the martyr. That's right. He died, and he's buried in Isenach. Thank you, Harold, for that wonderful story, and I hope we've got you around next week to uh, look at well, another one of these heroes of history. We'll, we'll be with you all Thanks. the best. Thanks, Bye Harold. Then. God bless. Yeah, bye-bye. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. This is a different song. Yes. This is Shenandoah Christian uh, College. Um, they are a group of young people, Armenian. Ooh. Straight out of the Protestant Reformation, and they haven't come a long way since then. They still dress a little bit like the Amish. Uh, um, yeah, a little bit. But boy, can their kids sing. The music's different. It's not really the sort of music we listen to a lot in Australia. But have a listen to it and see what you think. My life flows on in endless song Above earth's lamentation I hear the real though far off hymn That hails a new creation No storm can shake 
music from some fabulous kids. Mm, mm. i got a good youth group in my church, actually. We have a fantastic youth Powerful group. Powerful youth group, but I'll tell you what, I'd be happy to have every single one of those kids singing that song yes, please. come to my church as well. Yep. Fabulous. And I know that music might not be down the, the road of every one of our listeners, but I love it. It's fantastic, and I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. When you give your heart to Jesus and the Holy Spirit comes inside of you and you get born again, one of the things that changes, and it changes dramatically, is your taste in music. Actually, there's some pretty big things that change. Your taste in music, your taste in clothes and what you wear and how you wear it. Uh, just trying to think even what you Entertainment. Eat, the entertainment, what you watch. Who you socialise with. Yeah, there's massive things happen. But your music changes. And so you, you cannot be a believer and you hear music like that and you go, oh, uh, uh. When the Holy Spirit gets into you and he starts to change you, you hear music like that and it is heavenly. It truly is. And I think when we're going to get to heaven, which may, may be the way the world's going, it's got to be soon, we're going to hear some music like that for sure. And it is beautiful. I might talk about music. Well, I don't know whether it's, whether it's relevant, Hunty. Maybe I will. Maybe I won't talk about music one day. Mm. Might talk about the changes that Jesus brings to your life when he comes into your heart. Hey, this sermon I preached last Sabbath was important to me. It was on the back of a very hard summer. I talked to you about that, where I've been through nine weeks of purgatory. <laughs> Can I use that? <laughs> I would. I would have said you'd gotten into the hot house. <laughs> um, I really called this sermon "Where Is God," but I 
gave it a new title on Sabbath morning. Do you remember what it was? My Summer Living in the Devil's Kitchen. Which one do you like better? Where is God or My Summer Living in the Devil's Kitchen? Well, I would like it. I would I would like the word hell in it, but I know you're not allowed to do that, are you? Oh, I don't think there's a problem. My dad doesn't like that word, so I don't use it. Yeah, okay. And I'm not even sure why he doesn't like it, because it's in the Bible. But I know I know how much you suffered over Christmas, my goodness. Yeah, I had a very hard time. Um, the biggest problem was I had this knee replacement surgery, but there was nerve damage, and the nerve damage was interplaying with the knee. And I have been through pain in my life. I know pain. I know what it's like. I never had anything like this. Mm. And so uh, some other things happened. You'll hear about it in the sermon. Where is God? My Summer in the Devil's Kitchen. I hope you enjoy this. Okay, here we go. I called this uh, Bible study, this sermon, Where is God? But I had another name that I didn't dare use, but I'm going to share it with you anyway. If I could have, and Hunty would love this name and say, why didn't you use it, Lloyd? I I would use it because we're always after good um, titles for sermons and Bible studies to try and attract people to listen so they can see Jesus online through our, our ministry. This would be what I would call it. My summer in the devil's kitchen. Do you like that? My summer in the devil's kitchen. Um, I kind of wanted to call it my summer from H-E-L-L. I spell it because my dad doesn't like that word. and He says I should not use it from the pulpit. So dad, that's for you. My summer in the devil's kitchen. I want to share with you what I think is a really important message this morning for a few moments. I want to... I want to start by, by uh, I guess, recounting why I've been in the devil's kitchen this last summer. In fact, uh, at 60 years of age, I can say this is, without doubt, the worst summer in the history of my short life. I've never had such an awful summer. It started off on November 30 with the operation on this dastardly left knee. If I could go to God and say, heal me, I'd say, Lord, cut me down the middle and replace my entire left side because I have a rotocardata, rotocuff problem with my shoulder, knee problems and ankle problems. This whole left side has just gone off. So let's get rid of it and get a new one. But that can't happen. So I go in for this operation that's supposed to go uh, um, well. It, it, it did go well. Um, Two weeks after the operation, some of you remember I was back in church here and I preached a sermon. I thought, this is going fantastic. Praise the Lord. This is much better than the first round. That afternoon, I don't really remember, Lisco went for a walk. I came home and I've never experienced anything like this. The knee just swelled up and I've, the pain and we called the ambulance and I was taken off to hospital and all that, that sweet, sweet elixir of morphine. Amen. When that goes through your blood and I can feel it sweet. Oh, that was a... And so I was okay. So then they sent me home and I thought, oh, I'm going to be all right. I just walked too far, which you can do in a recovery of a knee operation like that. Two days later, Liska's on the plane. She's on her way to, to Indonesia to visit her dad and her family, a father who's got health challenges. And while she's on the plane, I get another attack. Liska's not there to drive me. So where's Gianni? She's here somewhere. Oh, she's with the kids. So I ring Alex up. He's not home. Ah, I need someone to drive me to hospital because I didn't want to ring the ambulance again. So Gianni packs the kids in the car, comes around to my place. I'm trying to get down the stairs. I fell down the stairs, got into the car, went to hospital. They wouldn't give me morphine. They gave me Tarjan and Palixius or something or other. 
And for the next five or six days, I went through more pain than I've ever experienced in my life with these attacks. And what had happened, from what I could gather, was I'd got some nerve damage in the operation and the nerve damage was interplaying with the knee. And it was... And I remember, I I can remember, because it was the last Wednesday I was in hospital, I'll never forget this, I felt it coming on in the morning. You can feel it because it starts to swell. Um, I felt it coming on. I... um, I called the doctor in or the nurse and told her, and when the nurse came as a male nurse, and you know what, they got less sympathy than the female nurses. That guy looked at me, he had no sympathy. But I can tell you by the end of this attack, he was on the end of the bed, he had his arm around me and he was comforting me. I'm, and I'm, I'm in pain like I've never had. They put this funny little massage thing on my leg which made it worse. It was a worse pain I've ever had. Now you can say, well, you haven't had much pain. Lord, you've never had a baby. Well, that I haven't. But uh, what is a man? I'm a man. Men can't have babies. So I haven't had a baby. But for a man, I've never had any. And I know pain. I broke my nose six times playing football. I, as I said, I've done my rotor cuff in trying to back my, <laughs> my ride on tractor off the trailer. And I tipped it. Lucky I survived that, actually. Did my rotor cuff. I've had a complete ankle reconstruction. That really hurt. And then, then this knee, I have never experienced. And I'm crying out to God. Now, I'm not perfect. I'm unworthy. I do a lot of things that are wrong and I struggle. That's why I preach from my heart because I struggle just like every one of you. I struggle with sin. I struggle with temptation. Liska knows that. I struggle uh, uh, with life. I struggle with the issues of life. I am challenged. But I, am, I, I, I like to still consider myself God's man. We all are if we've given our hearts to him. Unworthy that we are, we belong to him. Amen. If you give him your heart, you're his. Am I right? (coughs) And I said, God, this cannot happen to someone who belongs to you. Now, I don't know how I work that out in my head, and I don't think it's theologically correct. But it's what I was saying in the hospital. It can't happen. I'm crying out to you for help. Where are you? You are not coming. The pain is getting worse. This can't happen happen. Have you ever prayed a prayer like that? It can't happen. Where are you? The pain. Eventually they got my surgeon in. It was that bad. And you don't bring surgeons in unless there's a major problem. Hospitals don't do that because these guys are busy and they don't really want to come. He comes in. He looks at me and he says, we can't help you. You're just going to have to tough this out. That's what he said. I'm going, man, this is the 21st century. And really what I'm saying is, give me morphine, man. <laughs> and he's walking out. Now, remember, I'd be saying to God, where are you? And this is where this story goes a little bit uh, awry with what I'm trying to share with you today. I'm walking out. And as I'm walking out, he turns around and he says, have you got back pain? I thought, that's the weirdest question. I said, no, I haven't got back pain. He turns around and he walks out. And I remember I was asking to God, where are you? Help me. He says... Have, have you got numb shins and tingles in your shins and feet? I said, well, yeah, actually I have. And he looked at the nurse and he said, it's nerve pain. Go and get him Lyrica. Someone got me these Lyrica tablets for 10 minutes I was out of pain. Uh, those attacks have continued until about two weeks ago because my knee is getting better. And the more my knee gets better, the less the nerves can interact with it. Um, the Lyrica has, with, with God, I guess not I guess, I know, has saved me through that, through that challenge. But that was the beginning of my summer from hell. There are other things that have happened this summer that I have not enjoyed, that I have not liked, 
and have caused me to step back and say, God, and I say, the Lord knows I say this humbly. I don't say it in an attacking sort of a way against our God, but I say, God, where are you? I think of the little girl who was born with brain cancer, who we've been praying for for so long. Amen. And tomorrow they're going to bury her. In John 14, 15 and 16 it says, Jesus said, if you come and you pray in my name and it will bring glory to the Father, he said, I will do it. How many of you prayed for that little girl in the name of Jesus? I did. In our view, would it have brought glory to the Father? And tomorrow they will put her to rest until Jesus comes. And it, I don't know about how that affected you, but as a church that had been praying for that little girl, it deeply impacted me, it deeply affected me, and I kind of expected her, and I don't know how many of you did, but I expected her to get healed. I expected a blazing miracle. I expected, expected God to thunder down from heaven onto Mount Sinai with thunder and lightning and show the world that he is God, that he is still here and that he still works miracles. And I was getting up a sermon of the glory and the power of God as he healed this little girl. That's what I wanted. That's what I expected. It didn't happen. Where is God? And then perhaps the issues impacted me more than any other this summer, which still burdens me deeply, is the story of my cousin, who some of you know, who's gone and somehow got pancreatic cancer. Which, uh, and my cousin is my brother. A lot of people don't realise that. Grew up with him. We went and we did our trade together up in Bundaberg. Uh, he has always been around. I've always been around him. I have three other brothers and my cousin. I am as close to him as I am to any of my brothers. And so I, I watch him, this good man, this gentleman, this clean living. This is a clean living, vegetarian, non-smoking, non-drinking, yes, non-coffee, tea drinking. He is way in front of me for everything. Man goes and gets pancreatic cancer and has maybe three, six, 12 months to live with no cure. Where is God? And then kind of to cap my summer off, our house that we rent in 12 months has gone up $230 a week. And many of you are facing exactly the same thing. And so financially, emotionally, spiritually, physically, it seems in almost every way, not just me, that many of us are under attack with what is going on. And then I come back on my first Sabbath and I get a head cold on Thursday. <laughs> that's, the, that's the culmination of my summer in the devil's kitchen. And you might say, well, that was not a hard summer. Well, it was a hard summer for me. And I struggle sometimes. Where is God? If you've got your Bibles, turn to first. Kings chapter 19 verse 18. We want to go to verse chapter 18 first and then I'm going to have a quick look at this story because I think 
in this story we find the answer when we don't think there's an answer on where is God. I see so many people going through life, going through the challenges of life, going through sickness, sometimes going through things like cancer, and they all say to me, I can't experience God, I can't feel God, I can't sense God, I need God, he's not here, where is God? In some sense, the cry of the human heart today in the 21st century as our world just disintegrates around us as we cling on for dear life is, where are you God? And perhaps you're in a place this morning, like I've been, where you're saying, where is God? Well, I think this story answers it. This is the story of Elijah on Mount Carmel. A few years ago, 2019, I think it was, Hunty and Pastor Harker and myself were in Israel and we went up onto Mount Carmel on Haifa, kind of on the, in the central part of Israel. The mountain is about 1,500 feet, 500 metres high, so it's a pretty high mountain. Um, and we saw where Elijah, if you don't know the story, and we're not going to go, get too much into the story because I want to go to the back end of the story for a few moments today, not the story itself. But if you don't know the story, you need to go home this afternoon. I'm going to go home this afternoon and have a sleep. <laughs> but before you have a sleep, read this story, First Kings 18, 9. It's a ripper, it's a rip, roaring ripper. This is one of the best stories in the Bible of the power of God who confronts the power of Satan and the demons and the darkness. And he takes, God takes a great victory here. It's the story of Elijah. He goes up. All of Israel is there. The prophets of Baal on the other side of this argument are there. So the demonic prophets are there. Elijah's there by himself and they have a contest on whose God is the most powerful. And if you know the story, you'll know God wins the contest. It's a simple story. They build two altars. Whoever, whoever, whoever has the altar that fire comes down, a simple story. Well, that's the great God. And, of course, prophets of Baal, 450 of them dance around this altar all day. Nothing happens. It's great to read the story how Elijah mocks them. He even gets to the point where he says to them, and it's there in the Scripture where Elijah says to these prophets of Baal, as they're dancing around their altar, calling down... <coughs> sorry... <coughs> calling down fire from their demon gods. And by the way, something we often don't get when we read this story, Satan was more than capable, wasn't he, of bringing fire down onto that altar. Am I right? He could have done it. They, these demonic um, priests of Baal served real demons. They expected the fire to come. It didn't. And then Elijah, of course, the fire comes down on his altar, consumes the altar, consumes the water that was poured on the altar, consumes the sacrifice on the altar, and the people fall on their knees and say, the Lord, he is God, and Elijah and God win a great victory. God was speaking. He was noisy. He was loud. He came in thunder, lightning, and fire. Where is that God? Where is he today? Well, Elijah, then, there's a miracle. Because Israel had been without rain for three years. Because of their pagan worship, God had withheld the rain. And they look out to sea and here comes a rain cloud. And Elijah says to Ahab, the king of the day, get in your chariot, ride for Jezreel where your palace is because there's a storm coming, brother, like you've never seen. And the Bible says in 1 Kings, and this is where we start the, the story, verse 18, verse 45, and if you've got your Bibles, I want you to read it with me. If you've got your, your Bible on the phone, open it on the phone. You want to stay with me today. And soon the sky was black with clouds. A heavy wind brought a terrific rainstorm and Ahab left quickly for Jezreel. Then the Lord gave special strength to Elijah. He tucked his cloak into his belt and ran ahead of Ahab's chariot all the way to the entrance of Jezreel. That was 20 miles. 
for 20 miles, Elijah ran ahead of the chariot of Ahab. Great miracle. And then this happens, verse 1 of chapter 19. Why are we men so scared of our women? (laughs) Jezebel, Ahab's wife, wasn't there. She's the problem in this marriage and in this kingdom because she is the follower of Baal, the demon god. Verse 1 of 19, when Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he'd killed all the prophets of Baal. That's right, they took the prophets of Baal down to the bottom of the mountain, they killed them all. In one foul step, one brutal step, Baal worship was wiped out of Israel. By the way, Jezebel went to her death herself not long after this. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. Elijah, she's mad. May the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. Dripping with venom and threat and danger. Elijah's just taken on Ahab and the entire nation and 450 prophets of Baal. God has brought fire down from heaven and there's been a great victory. The miracle of God, the supernatural Holy Spirit is in him. He runs ahead of a chariot for 20 miles and a woman threatens him. What is it about our women that makes us so scared, Liska? I wonder... The three Elijahs are afraid and fled for his life. And he just takes off like a scared rabbit. And he doesn't look back. He runs and he runs and he runs. <coughs> in fact, the Bible says in verse 5, and I like this, because Elijah's on the run. He's just had his greatest moment in his entire ministry. And now he's on the run from a woman. Come on, Elijah. He was worn down, he was broken, he was wounded in heart, he'd been through a great battle, he was exhausted and he was on the verge of defeat and God knew it, he was human. We are human, this happens to us. And he takes off, I like this, verse 5. Then he lay down and slept, so he's running as fast as he can, he gets so tired he lies down and sleeps under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping an angel touched him and told him, get up, eat. He looked around and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water, so he ate and drank and lay down. And I like this especially. Verse 7, then the angel of the Lord came again. Do you know who the angel of the Lord is? This is Jesus himself. Comes to his warrior, Elijah. In the moment of defeat and despondency and discouragement, Jesus himself comes. And the angel of the Lord came again and touched him. Think about that for a bit. And said, get up. Jesus is starting to heal Elijah here. Eat some more food on the journey ahead. Eat some more food or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up ate and drank and the food gave him enough strength to give for him to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. He is fleeing to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. He might have been fleeing, he might have been in retreat, but he was going to God. Do you get that? We miss that in this story. And if you today are in trouble like I am and have been, then you need to do what Elijah did And if you've got to flee, fair enough, flee, but flee to God. Your family can turn against you, your church can turn against you, 
Your friends can turn against you. Your work can turn against you. But God never will. If you flee to God, he will always be there. You cannot flee to God no matter what you've done, no matter how discouraged you are, no matter how deep the defeat. You cannot flee to God and he will not be there. God was there for Elijah. God was with him while he was fleeing. And God was, and he went, Elijah went to the mountain of God, Mount Sinai. And if you head for the the mountain of God, he will be there for you too. And I like this story because it gets really good here. Verse 9. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. But the Lord said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars and killed every one of your prophets. I'm the only one left and now they are trying to kill me as well. Well, he wasn't the only one left. In fact, God later told him there were 7,000 in Israel who have not bowed the knee to Baal. But that's how he felt and sometimes you might feel like that. And this is where the story comes home. Where is God? Why can't I feel him? Why can't I sense him? Does he exist? You know, one of my mates at college was a pastor. Trained to be a pastor. Went through four years of college. Was the top of the class. Was the very best of all the students. Was the first to get picked up. Was the bright star of our class. And he hit hard times. And his question was, where is God? And he could not answer that. And he left God. He left the church. He left Christianity. And he's never come back. And so this question, where is God when I'm in trouble, needs to be answered in your heart. And it needs to be answered in mine too, because if you do not answer it, it can lead you away from God, far, far away to a place where you may never come back. Pastors ask this question. And when they can't answer it, are gone. So it's a very important question. Where is God? Verse 11. The Lord said, go out and stand before me on the mountain. The Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by in a mighty windstorm. It hit the mountain. It was a terrible blast. The rocks were torn loose. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak. And he went out and he stood at the entrance of the cave. And the voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? I think too often we're looking for Jesus In the windstorm and in the earthquake and in the fire. And we're missing the still, small voice of God. I believe one day there's going to come a time. You know, when I was thinking of our precious little girl who passed away, I was looking for the God of the windstorm, I was looking for the God of the earthquake. I was looking for the God of the fire to come down and thunderously show himself on this earth. When I'm lying in a hospital bed, writhing in agony, I'm looking for that God. 
And I think it's appropriate sometimes to look for that God. And I believe a time is coming on this earth before Jesus comes when the world will see that God. He will come in thunder. He will come in a storm. He will come in an earthquake. He will come in a fire. The world will see him. They will know he is God and many people will follow him as a result. But more often than not, Jesus God comes to us in a still, small voice. So where do I find that still, small voice? And I want to invite our musicians to come forward as I answer that question and we close our service. This is my testimony. The still, small voice of God was with me this morning when I was in church. And I was singing. And the Lord came as I was singing in the congregation with you. The Lord came and put his arms around me in the still, small voice and comforted him. And I could hear him and I could sense him in the still, small voice. When I opened my Bible, let let me say that again, because I say this many times at the church in my sermons. I barely preach a sermon without saying this, but it's so important. When I open my Bible in the morning and pray in Bible study in the morning, I cannot, this is me, open my Bible and be in prayer. I cannot, it does not happen to me, and not hear the still small voice that's where God is in my experience it's almost always where he is in my Bible study in my prayer and we dissect ourselves from these things we distance ourselves from these things we never open our Bible we never pray a whole lot deeply intensely uh, like they did in the Bible and then we wonder where, the, where, where is the voice of God, where is his presence. He's there in the Bible. He's there in prayer and he will come to you. You will hear him and it will happen very, very quickly. No matter who you are, what you've done, God will come to you if you, if you choose. Now, I don't know why God chose to do it this way. But God chooses to come to us in a still, small voice, mostly through our worship, our Bible study and our prayer. So if you're not hearing the still, small voice of God, Go up to your cave. Turn your phone off. Turn your social media down. Turn the television off. Sometimes distance yourself a little, don't get me wrong when I say this, from friends and family. Go to a place, a cave, where it's not not a literal cave, although you can if you want. Go to, 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 to a place which is quiet, and still and open your Bible and listen for the still small voice when you're on your knees in prayer stop Lord I've been talking to you is there anything you'd like to say to me in the quiet in the silence and listen to the still small voice and I guarantee you I promise it's a cast iron guarantee Jesus will come to you and he will talk to you And you will hear him, he will comfort you, and he will guide you and he will lead lead you. Isn't it amazing that Elijah had all these powerful, thunderous experiences with God? Fire coming down from heaven, altars being burned up, pagan priests being destroyed, a king being humbled. He saw the mighty, thunderous power of God. But when he was in trouble, isn't it interesting? 
There was only the still small voice that eventually got him to stand up, put his cloak around him and go to the front of the cave and listen. And I think perhaps it's time for a lot of us, and I put myself at the forefront of this, to stop, to listen. In our cave, in our cave to stop to listen and put our cloaks around us and move to the front of the cave because Jesus is there and you will hear him. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. So there you go, Hunty. That was mm-hmm. my summer in the devil's kitchen. kitchen. That's it. I don't know how people, I'm going to talk about it a little bit later for a few minutes. I don't know how people survive in life going through the crisis without Jesus and without that still small voice. I have no idea mate, mm-hmm. how they do that, but they do. This next group we're going to listen. That When I say they do, they do, but they don't really. They struggle. Now this next group. Uh, Jehovah Shalom. This is an Adventist singing group, Hunty, from yep. out of Africa. Yep. They are fan. They are out of this world, mate. They are. Listen to the bass. I don't know. Will the bass come up on the radio, Hunty, or yeah, not yeah. really? Yeah, no, you'll hear it. If you've got good speakers. Or... You'll hear it in your car. You'll hear it on your on your iPhone. Have a little talk with Jesus. I once was lost in sin, but Jesus took me in. And then a little light from heaven filled my soul. It bathed my heart in love and wrote my name above. And just a little talk with Jesus makes me whole. Have a little talk with Jesus. Tell him all about our troubles. He will hear us cry. Answer by and by. Feel a little prayer will turn him. Know a little fire's burning. Find a little talk with Jesus. Makes it right. I may have doubts and fears. My eyes be filled with tears. But Jesus is a friend who watches day and night. I go to him and pray. He knows my every care. And just a little talk with Jesus makes it right. Have a little talk with Jesus. Tell him all about our troubles. He will hear faintest cry. He will answer by and by. Feel a little power. Turn you in. Find a Ooh. 
fabulous. Mm-hmm. Those really guys good. can sing or what? I think they're called Jehovah Shalem Acapella. Acapella, that's it. Yes, I haven't got all that on my list. Or as they say in Hollywood, Acapulco. Do they? Yeah, I don't know why. But acapella just means without instrumentation and no no band, it's singing voices only. Keith Green, another famous, fabulous early Christian singer, died actually in a plane with half its family. Mm. Very sad story. Beautiful music and had some good things to say. Listen to this. In all the Eastern religions and all the cults and all the world religions, they always gave some credit to Jesus Christ. The Muslims say that he was a, uh, a prophet. Uh, the Krishnas say that he was an incarnation of the Godhead in his age. Uh, Yogananda and all these different Eastern teachers said that he had Christ consciousness. You know, they always use words like Christ consciousness, Christ this, Jesus that. Uh, the Buddhists would even say he was a Buddha. You know, he was a, another incarnation of God like Buddha was. And uh, in all my searchings, I, I saw that all these people were pointing to Jesus. They're going... Well, yeah, Jesus is one of the ways, but we're one of the ways. And they wouldn't all agree on anything except that Jesus was one of the ways. And then I looked into the Bible. I did this all through intellectual reasoning and laid it out on the table and figured it out that if they all gave him credit and he only gave himself credit and and they all agreed on one thing, that he was one of the ways. And he, he only agreed that he was the only way. So I figured I had no choice but to go with him. And then I started praying to Jesus. You like that, Hunty? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Very cool. <laughs> and that's how he found. That's how he found Jesus. I that's think it. we're supposed to have a sting, mate. Oh, sting! Okay, I got a sting. Right, ready to go. Yep. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. I was getting our next guest lined up. Uh, okay, I want to <laughs> welcome him. His name is Waldo. You there, Waldo? Yes, I'm here. How are you? Good. Welcome to our program, Waldo. Um, I wouldn't say I know you that well, but I know you a little bit. Uh, you were brought up in Sydney, is that right? That's correct, uh, south southwestern Sydney. So you're a, C- you're a Sydney boy? Yes. Okay, but you don't live in Sydney anymore, do you? Tell us about that. No, we've moved to Cowra since then, about three years ago. How far is Cowra from Sydney? Uh, I can't tell you kilometres, but I can tell you in hours. And I told you uh, last time, because I, I want you guys to come out here, so I didn't want to make it sound too uh-huh, far away. Uh-huh. From Penrith, from Penrith, <laughs> about three and a half hours. I like how you say from Penrith. So I reckon from our church, which is at Quakers Hill, what are we, half an hour? Half an hour, yep. So for four hours. <laughs> I reckon it's more than four hours. So that says to me, so you do maybe three to four hundred kilometres pretty much west of Sydney. Is that right? Uh, yeah, so we're we're kind of in the middle between, I guess the major cities would be Young, Orange, and Bathurst. We're kind of in the centre of that. How many people live in Cowra? Do you know? Uh, in the in the in the what is it? It's about eleven thousand. What in the town itself, or is that in the area? No, in the area. How, so how about not... the town itself? Um, we did a search. It's about three thousand homes. Okay, so... in in, in Cowra. Okay, that's that's. Probably seven or eight there. It's a reasonable sized town. Yeah, it's it's a nice town. You guys would have a Woolies and a Coles there. That'd be right. Sorry, you'd have a Woolies, a Woolworths, and a Coles there. Well, that was that was the, the, the that was what was on the list for my wife to come out here. She said we had to have a school, we had to have a hospital, nice. and we had to have Woolworths or Coles nearby. Now I'm asking this so, for a friend. Akahanti. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> do you have McDonald's and KFC there? We have, yes, we do. Oh, you'll be right out yeah, there. Okay, I'm happy now. 
that's a mean thing to say because he's because I'm on a starvation diet at the moment. He's vegan. Not <laughs> and we and, and my cousin came to visit us, and we found this great Indian restaurant that was Ooh. across the road from my mum's. Sorry, from my wife's work. Yep, she sometimes feels like a mum. Like but that. anyway, <laughs> hey, what are you doing in Cowra? Why why did you move from Sydney to Cowra? Well, it's it's. I guess the short answer is providence. Yep. But uh, yeah, so we were. I was looking for something. The kids were were younger at the time. I wanted them to have more space where they could run around. Sydney backyards are pretty small, and uh, we couldn't afford anything in Sydney. So a client, I remember an old client of mine having a country home in Cara, and we just came to have a look. Uh, we liked the area. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, those and those country from- towns, man. In New South Wales, outside of that ring of Sydney, are fabulous, man. Have you got a river in Cowra? We've got a big uh, dam. Well, we've got Lachlan River. Uh, and you've got a dam. The dam, which is the uh, – now, lost uh, – don't you hate it when you just forget the name of no, things? No, that's all right. Are you allowed, the important question is you're allowed to water ski on it, put your boat in it? Yes. And apparently well, every, all the locals tell me here that – it's twice the size of Sydney Harbour. Yeah, fantastic. Man, that's what I find. Wyangala. Wyangala. Wyangala out there is good living. We should move the ministry out well, there, Well, that's man. your opinion, yes. Fantastic. You, you want to head out past He's Bathurst. a pain in the neck, you know, because he's just a straight city boy, <laughs> Waldo. You can't... So was I. I've never, I've never lived in the country. Now, you're sharing, now... G- you're sharing Jesus out there, aren't you? That's right. So we're, we're, try- we're trying to share God out here and... Trying to get uh, the word out, and I mean, I'm guessing everybody knows of God. We're just trying to make take the off part out of it and get people to know God. So you you're looking after a little church or helping to look after the little Cowra Adventist Church out there. You went out there. How many people were there when you went there in the church? Well, see, I've got a confession to make. I didn't come. Out, I came out in 2020. Yep. We didn't start coming to Cowra to about. Eight months ago. The okay. reason why we didn't come to Cara Church was because we, we were told, you know, there's only about three elderly people going to church. Yeah. And so we're like, our kids are not going to fit in. Yeah. And then we caught call, a call from the, the, the minister that's there now, Brad Moody. And he's like, he sounded young, sounded with young kid, like he had a little boy. We said, you know, something for our kids. At least they can socialize with someone a bit younger. And I regret it. I regret not coming to two years, two and a half years earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, look, you're there now, man. You're in a beautiful place. You've got a – at the little Cowra Church out there in Cowra has got a very special program on and it's this coming weekend. That's correct. So on, we, started on, we start on the 11th of Feb. Yep. And uh, it runs for the whole week until the Saturday, the 17th of Feb. Where are you running the program? Just If you're from Cowra, hey, if you're a listener from Cowra, we're glad you joined us today. I want to encourage you to go to this program. Where is the program at? Uh, it's going to be at our local church, which is 12 Denman Street, uh, Cara. You got room so for visitors there, man? We do, and we also have a bus service to go and pick up people that can't make it. Wow. Uh, so we're organized, and we're, we're going to have a child, kind of like a child mind, minding activity area for for younger kids so they're not bored. Who, who's who's uh, the speaker in this program? Uh, Sam Braga. Now, Sam is... Tell us so, just a little bit about him. He's a powerful yeah, so, preacher. He's yes. from Sydney. Yep. Actually, I think he's originally from somewhere in South America. 
Well, he's he's a fellow countryman, and that's that's the kind of where the story leads. Uh, like I rang him up because because last year we were plan we were trying to plan for this year, and so I started bringing you know thinking of people that I could call and come and speak out here. Uh, you were on the list. I sent. I spoke to you. I'm coming out. I'm coming out to Cowra this year. I promise. That's excellent. This is a promise on radio. <laughs> Even though I haven't given you a date, but Sam no, no. Sam, Sam Braga's coming out. He's from Chile, isn't he? Originally, yes, so yeah, so I'm originally from Chile as well. And this is what's going through my head. I'm going through my head. I'm going to ring him. Uh, I know Sam. He's going to say, "Listen, let me clear my schedule. Everything's going to be fine. Tell me a date you want me to come out here." And it didn't go that way. It was like, so that's great. Tell me what you want to do. I told him. And he goes, look, now I've got your number. I'll get back to you. So I'm thinking, it sounded to me like, uh, don't call us. We'll call you. (laughs) (laughs) So so come January, you know, we're on holidays and I'm I'm praying. I'm thinking, God, you know, we've only got one speaker lined up. I'm feeling deflated. And out of the blue, I get a call. Uh, early early January. To me, it felt like three months or something. But now today, I was thinking about it. It had only been like maybe four weeks, five weeks mm. before he got back to me. And he's cut. Uh, what's he gonna What's he gonna talk about? Um, well, he's got uh, the title is called the Seven Big Questions. Good, good. So, so he's going to talk about the seven big questions of life. Yeah. Well, you know, if 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 God exists, what's the evidence? So what so, makes God so good? Yep. Yep. If they wanted to go to this program, how do you do it? You come to the church at what time? Uh, so we're going to be starting 6.30 sharp yep. on Sunday afternoon. Yep. What's the address um, again? 12 Denman Street, Cara. And it goes every night for a week? Yes. And the programs will be about an hour? Uh, yep. And they're going to much. answer some of the big questions of life? That's correct. And there's child minding? Yep. Is there, so food? We'll have, is, is there food? We'll have some refreshments after. So if people want to ask push, ask further questions of Sam, they can do that uh, after the program. And, they, you know, we can have a bit of interaction time then. And are you a friendly lot? Uh, yeah, we're not too bad for country people. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Look, we're out of time, but we really wish you the best in this, uh, Waldo. Uh, we Thank might so we much. might come back to you and find out how it went. And I promise you, I'm back to you this week, and I'm coming to Cowra this week. Uh, this week. I'm coming to Cowra this year with Hunty. That's a go. promise. We'll bring That's... our music team from church. We'll bring our media uh, team, and we're going to have a great time together sometime in the not-too-distant future in Cowra. Thank you. And, and can I just say... I've been listening to the program since it started today and, and just thank you to you guys and all the other presenters that, you know, there's a lot of work that I'm, I'm imagining that goes behind the scenes to get a show up and running. So, you know, really appreciate that. Thank you, mate. Good God bless you. Mate. God bless. See ya. Bless. Talk to you soon. Thank you. You're Bye-bye. listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. That's going to be a good program, Hunty. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yep. If you can get to it, get to it. Yeah. Now we're going to listen to Keith Green sing a song. One of my favourite songs. Mm. See 
to me stuff aren't he absolutely i love keith green i love the fact that his songs are just scripture put to music you said that in another show that we ran some time ago that keith green had a lot to do with you oh staying yes, in the, totally with the lord totally. in your youth is uh, that right yeah because um in my i call them my testing years um oh, his his songs went straight to my heart Okay, and and showed me um, a God that um, I needed to to be with, 
and I will be so grateful for that. Okay, good yeah. stuff. Um, I just want to do a little Bible study here, First Kings chapter 19. I want to follow up that story of Elijah. Um, what happens is Elijah, um, he has this little talk with God. The still small voice. Yep. That same still small voice that if you ask him to and if you listen will come to you. Yep. I hear that still small voice every day, Andrew Hunt. Mm. There has not been a day gone in many years where I do not hear that still small voice. Don't come to me and try and make out there's no God because I'm talking to him. He's in my life and he's in my life whether I'm doing right or wrong. You know that, Andrew? Yeah, I get the still small voice too. And you know what? Sometimes I struggle to listen to it and obey it. Yeah, but it's there, and it's not your conscience. Yeah. It's God talking to you. Um, read verse 13 and 14, mate. Sure. End of verse 13 and yep. verse 14, if you've got it there. Yep, First Kings chapter 19, please. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? What's that voice? Oh. That's the still, ah. small voice. Right. So Elijah walks to the front of the cave. He's got his cloak on. The earthquake's gone. The storm's gone. The fire's gone. I mean, there's been all this stuff happening. That has no impact on him. But this still small voice, he hears it and he wraps his cloak around him and walks to the front of the cave. Why? To listen to that voice. And the voice says, hey, Elijah, I just did some big things for you. We won a great battle on Mount Carmel. We went there, Humpty. We did. Good times. Yeah. And what are you doing? What are you still doing in this cave, man? And then what does Elijah say in verse 14? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. <laughs> we, all, we all like to say that sometimes, don't yes. we? <laughs> the Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. Okay. <laughs> Look, he's I, know under, you, I know you feel that way sometimes. <laughs> he's under pressure. Yes. He does feel like he's the only one left yeah. and that there's no one else standing up for God. And if you're a Christian, you can. And I know not those listening to this radio station right now who are not Christians might not get that. But sometimes in a world of darkness, it can seem to close in on you. It can seem like you're alone and you're only one. Well, you're not, even though you might think you are. Mm. And Elijah needed to hear from God because God is going to put him in his place here. He's going to say to him, look, you are a champion of mine, you are a hero, and you're a warrior, but don't kid yourself, you're not the only only one. Because what does he say in verse 4, verse 18, Hunty? Oh. Last verse. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. Baal's a pagan god. Pagan god, yeah. And he says, man, what are you talking about, Elijah? I've got 7,000 people in this nation who have not bowed down to Baal and have not kissed him, have not worshipped him. And I think there's a great little lesson in that. But, and, and that is, hey, you're never the only one. But what I like about this story, Hunter, mm-hmm. is this. God came to him. God spoke to him. Now, God comforted him. If you read the whole story in 1 Kings 18 and 19, there's a lot of comfort going on here. But there's also a little bit of discipline and a little bit of reality, and it's coming through that still, small voice. You right. need the still, small voice of God yes. in your life. Of course. Put that cloak around you. Walk to the front of your cave. And whatever you do, listen. You're listening to The Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. 
sometimes hallelujah. This is a Bill Gaither special. Mm-hmm. Love this song. Mm-hmm. We sing it in New Hope yeah, we do. all the time. We do. This is one of our worship songs. Hope you enjoy it. very beautiful song that was recorded live as well just to give you some a clue of how awesome they are they can do that kind of quality live do we okay. know where it was recorded I live i don't know but i know it was live oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> thought i'd throw that in there you know it's time for my favorite segment ask the aussie pastor mm. if you'd like to send a question to the aussie pastor you can do it one of two ways. You can text them to us or SMS them to us on zero four double eight double eight zero eight five one, or you can email them to us, and the email address is very simple, theaussiepastor at gmail.com. So SMS zero four double eight double eight zero eight five one, or email theaussiepastor at gmail.com. And I, I bet you, and, you didn't know, it, know that phone number off by heart. Huh. You'd think it would after two years, wouldn't you? Yeah, I, 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 I 
have lost it. Oh, yeah, anyway, guess mm. what our first question is? Uh, go. <laughs> if I'm listening for the still small voice and hearing nothing, what then? Well, that's a good question. It's a actually. very good question for today. Who's that from? Maxine. Um. Well, how do I hear the still small voice? When you can't hear it, it's 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 not always a voice in my head. Um, I've said this many times. Ninety nine percent of the still small voice coming to me comes through as I am reading the Bible, and I want to put it to you that if you are reading the Bible morning and night, studiously. Seriously, soberly, and regularly and consistently, you will hear the still small voice. Um, I can. I can in tell you what in I fact, do. I don't think you can rely on a voice in your head. I think that most of that still small voice. Remember, Elijah was a prophet. You're not, nor mm. am I. Mm. Most of that voice has got to come through your Bible study. The Bible. The Bible itself says, um, "Faith comes through hearing." What do you hear? Well, hearing comes from the Word of God. The Bible itself says hearing comes from the Bible. So if you want to hear God, if you want to hear the still, small voice, open the Bible. And the problem is not enough people, oh, truly they don't, can't be bothered opening their Bible so mm. they don't hear from God. Sorry, hunty. Go. No, I was just going to say, and for me sometimes when I'm praying, I ask for the Holy Spirit. Yeah, well, that's a very effective thing to do. Mm. In fact, there's not a more powerful thing you can do than ask for the Holy Spirit. Mm. And he will come to you. So open your Bible. And the other thing is you will hear his voice in your head more and more as you read the Bible more and more. You get to know his voice in the Bible, then you start to recognize it in your head because there's a lot of voices in your head, hunty. Yes. My wife's in my head. You're in my head. Yeah, you're in mine too, unfortunately. <laughs> That's why we've got to have a holiday from each other at the end of each year where we banish each other out of their heads. That's not true. We're really good mates, we are actually. Good mates, of course. Um, so that, that's how I, I, I think the answer to that is um, faith comes by hearing, hearing comes by the word of God. If you're not hearing the still small, small voices, you're standing at the front of the cave, open your Bible because that's where God is and that's where God talks to you and it's supernatural. Fantastic. This next question is quite a controversial one, but I'm going to read it anyway. It's from yeah. Russell. Dear okay. Pastor, Israel is under attack from all sides today. My question is, do you believe this is due to them as a nation walking away from the Lord's command, specifically the legalization of abortion and same-sex marriage. Of course, there is a lead-up to why both were enacted, and hence my question. Uh, it's a good question. One, I didn't know Israel had legalized both of them. I think Australia has too. In fact, I think most Western democracies have. Um, I think that uh, Western democracy is falling, is failing, because they have walked away from God, and I would include Israel in that. Mm -hmm. I think at the very bedrock of Western democracy is Christianity, is the Ten Commandments. Our whole laws are based around them. I think when you turn your back on God, when you turn your back on the commandments, when you start to legislate against God's laws and God's way, yeah, I do think there are serious consequences. Now, you can get into a discussion, does God bring those consequences upon a nation, or do... Is it just God stepping back from that nation and Satan then stepping into the void and he's the God, small g, of chaos? Um, I don't know the answer to that, hunty, um, but I do know that it's a dangerous thing for a nation and or a person to step away from God and his protection and his benevolence. And it's not just Israel. All the Western nations have done that. And I think a lot of the problems we have at the moment in the West are brought upon us by ourselves. Yeah, I do. I do. 
So I'd include Israel in that. Hmm. But I wouldn't single Israel out any more than I'd single Australia or America or New Zealand or Britain out. Does that, does that make mm-hmm. sense what I'm saying, yep. Auntie? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right. We've got time for one more question. Okay. I just lost my grandchild who was still growing inside his mum. Will I see him in heaven? Yes, praise God. Yes, 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 yes. Nice. Of course. Nice. God is the author of life, and if he started a little life and it it comes to an end before it has a chance to breathe the air of this earth, of course. I think that's why Christians believe that babies, literally from conception, are little miracles of God and our life. And yes, there's no reason to believe Anything other than when Jesus comes, those who have lost their lives, including those in the womb, will be ready for the Lord when he returns. Uh, not ready for the Lord, but will be recreated, new, and will be in heaven. And we'll bring those babies up in heaven, auntie. Our church family lost a very precious little baby just recently. But, but she was she was alive. She was four she when she died. She wasn't in the womb. Yeah. Will they get her back in heaven? Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, no, look. No mistake, no misunderstanding. I'm actually believing, Hunty, that children who are of an age before they make a choice for, you know, or, or against God, all of them will be in the kingdom. That's what God is. He's a God of life. Of course they'll be there. And they'll be there in the millions. Nice. Heaven's going to be a place of children, Hunty. Yeah. There's going to be a whole heap of them everywhere. Little children that are translated from heaven to earth who are alive when the Lord returns and those who are resurrected. And a lot of little kids have died before Jesus, uh, before the Lord comes. And yet we're going to see them again. We're going to see them soon. It's going to be beautiful. And what a beautiful day. What a day that will be. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM.
another one of our church songs, Hunty. Yeah. How did we go today? How did your equipment... The today technology was perfect. Um, I'm a little bit rusty, but the technology was running great. Yeah, I felt very rusty today. <laughs> I loved it, though. Loved it's it. good to be back, and I'm yeah. glad you joined us today. You know what we're going to talk about next week, Hunty? What's that? Does God drink beer? Yes, that's right. I've got the text already to go. Yeah. Does <laughs> God drink beer? What a great subject. Great subject. So I want to invite you back next week um, to... Uh, our program. We love having you on board. We do. Um, remember, if you're in Cowra, this... What, what, when did it start, Hunty? Praying like a sieve. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was Saturday night, but... You want me to send old mate a message? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Make sure we get that okay. right. Um, and if you're around... If you're around Sydney, northwest Sydney, never any Saturday, 10 o'clock, drop into New Hope. You'll always, or mostly, you'll pick up with Hunty and myself. Yep, and for sure. We'd love to love see to you see there. Church, yeah. Now, Hunty's chasing that up. No, I've sent a text. I said, dates, please. <laughs> but what are the chances? I don't know. In no. 40 seconds? No, we're at a time. Let's pray. Okay. Dear Lord Jesus, we come before you today. We thank you for being with us as we've um, talked about you, had some fun and dwelt upon a new earth where there'll be no more sickness and there'll be no more pain and there'll be no more sorrow. Uh, May it be soon, Jesus. And when you do come, may you find us through you and your grace ready. In Jesus' name. Amen. Still no dates. We'll uh, Mm. go by. We'll do next week. Yeah. Well, you can always go back and check this program out because it'll be up online tonight. That's true. You can rewind it later tonight. That's right. Hey, we're glad you're here. My name's Lloyd Grollam and I'm the Aussie pastor. And my name's Hunty and we love you. You're the techie. I'm the techie as well. (laughs) (laughs) My name's Hunty. I'm the techie and we love you. We love you. But you know what? Jesus loves you so much more. Bye-bye. 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 See you next time. Bye-bye. Hang on. We got the dates. All right. So, too bad about the play out. 11th of Feb to the 17th of February, 12 Denman Street, Cara, starting at 6.30. God bless. Thanks for joining the Aussie Pastor. If you enjoyed today's program and would like to find out more about Jesus, our ministry, always to support us, go to findjesus.tv.